1: Everybody, listen carefully. You're listening to the SEC Insider Hit Hit, on the Boat Bounds Show. Fueled by Fleetway Market. Fuel
0: up your car and cooler at Fleetway this football season.
1: Let's go. Uh, You can watch the show on Facebook. Search the Out of Bounds Show. YouTube, search Out of Bounds Sports. Good morning. Welcome in. Armchair QB Monday. Having some fun. Uh, Rebs and dogs win. So everybody's excited. After two big uh, home victories against conference foes. And Mike Leach needed a big home game win. I mean, yeah, he beat NC State and Kentucky last year at home, but let's be honest, that just doesn't have the juice. I'm sorry. And uh, that's his biggest home win. He needed to do that in front of the home crowd at Davis Wade. You know, Kiffin's already done that. And um, they put the exclamation point on the game. Uh, late in the game, it was close for a while as uh, Mississippi State prevailed. And now there's questions around Jimbo and the Aggies. So your SEC Insider Hit is brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance. Bundle your car and home and save with your local Farm Bureau insurance agent. We welcome in our friend Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN. <laughs> and Luke's joins us on the Yingling Lager guest line. Uh, Luke, can you remember, uh, and I'm sure it's happened, may even happen recently, but a team like A&M that's gone, I think, three classes in a row, top five, and last year's class, number one, um, that looks this bad on the offensive line, but the team as a whole is trending the wrong way, considering they're now considered an elite recruiter, Tom. Well, they're
0: considered an elite recruiter, but what, what are, we con- are we considering that as five, six, seven classes in a row or one-and-a-half classes considering COVID? Because I think that's the thing that, to me, has been a bit of a, a myth in all of this. And that is, and you've heard me say this before, until proven otherwise, they're an eight-and-four program. all right? They've had two double-digit win seasons, as you've heard me tell you, in 24 years. 24 years. So we looked at that 2022 recruiting class, right? And everybody's oohing and on and, and and that's great. But did anybody actually think like were these people under the impression that every one of those guys was going to come in and play and dominate? It doesn't I mean it doesn't work that way. You might have one or two, you might have three or four, but you don't they're, they're not just going to come in and transform the program overnight. And I think that that was kind of the as I said, missing this whole deal, that that was what was going to happen. Now, we've seen LT Overton. We've seen Shamar Stewart. We've seen Evan Stewart on offense. Flash some bright spots. Obviously, they've got some nice young guys. But I think they've got they've got a confidence problem. They have a quarterback problem. They have an offensive line problem. And I think the offensive line side of things, that's where – you have the biggest struggle when you're dealing with younger players, man, because they can get overwhelmed, and that's where you know what? That's where I give LSU a lot of credit. LSU's playing with Will Campbell and Emory Jones, right tackle and left tackle, right, and they have somehow figured out how to manage that. Now, the difference between them and A&M is that they have a quarterback that can get them out of trouble. Sure, like if things aren't perfect, Jaden Daniels can move around by the time he can take off and run. That's not right now what Texas A&M is playing. With.
1: Uh, if you look at their, I mean, eight eight and four could be the moon for them now, right? I know, and so I, I I see where you're going. Hey, did 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 fans believe that all these guys would play? Well, actually, the the answer is yes, because fanaticism, which pays both of our bills, people automatically assume. All right, they were already a top ten recruiter. He has been recruiting gangbusters the last few years there. And they said, yeah, we're ready. We we beat because fans can gloss over fair or unfair the Mississippi State, Ole Miss, LSU, and Arkansas lost last year. They, exactly. They beat Bama and they had the number one recruiting class. And that's all they talked about all spring and summer. Right. Now, so, They're not
0: talking about where the roster is. They're not talking about the. Do you see Alabama losing to those other teams? No. No, exactly. <laughs> They're all they're all fired up about beating Alabama. Look at who you lost to. If you're a top ten program, if you're a top five program, you don't lose to those teams. No. Um,
1: and a, a, so the question is the play caller. I think the bigger question is the guy who's the play caller and OC. And mm-hmm. he's already over fifty years old. He was told that he was a boy wonder OC because of his days at LSU, which I thought was ridiculous. That was a generic, ordinary offense that was built around Saban's genius and defense everything was still played in the box especially in the SEC Mm -hmm. uh, outside of Spurrier um so where does this go I don't think he's got the ability because he believes I'm a national championship coach I was the boy wonder at LSU 01 through 06 that's me that's who I am I don't think he has the ability to pivot do you
0: well, um, he hasn't proven to yet. Now, you know, you go back and, and, and really here's his reputation. So he inherits, he inherits Christian Ponder. The guy gets drafted in the first round. They recruit E.J. Manuel. The guy gets drafted in the first round. They recruit Jameis Winston, who's the only real generational-type talent that they've had. And they win a national championship, a Heisman Trophy, and, a, and uh, he's a first-rounder. So now that's where all of this reputation comes from. The issue is that he doesn't have a generational talent at that position. I think you can still do some of the things he's doing with offensively, but you have, that dude better be a difference maker. Like he, he, he better be as good as there is in college football, um, and, and that's not what they have right now. So what does that do? It over-magnifies how they're going about it, right? It makes it look worse. It makes it look more vanilla, non-innovative. That they haven't evolved. And now we could be looking at them. We could be looking at this game this week with Jalen Milro versus Connor Wigman.
1: That'd be wild. Yeah, it would. Um, I think Connor
0: Wigman's better than their other quarterbacks anyway, but he hasn't played, so there's obviously a lot of risk there.
1: Right. I mean you're talking about throwing a and he's a freshman true fr-
0: with a lot on his shoulder.
1: Right. Is he a redshirt or true, Tom? True freshman. Okay. So he's a true freshman going into Bryant Denny. Boy, that that'll be fun. Um, all right. When you look, is it execution or is it the guy that's wearing the headsets calling the plays in his offense?
0: Mm, I think it's a combination of both. I really do. I don't, you know, and he keeps bringing up that there's plays there to be made. They're just not making them. So that's either that's, that's a combination of execution and preparation. One or the other or both. All right. Or, and this is the one that nobody wants to hear, if the plays are there to be made, they're not being made, are they then not good enough? Right? I mean, is, is, is that the question that we're asking here? Are they not good enough? Because we can say all we want about schemes and X's and O's, but Jimbo Fisher doesn't have any eligibility. You can't actually go out there and do it for him. So at some point or another, these guys got to start making plays, and he keeps reiterating that the plays are there to be made. Now, I'm not saying he's throwing his players on the ball. He's just saying that, well, if that's the case, what's wrong, then?
1: Yeah. I think it's the same thing. Uh, it was He was saying the same thing last year. And, um, you know, he's got a veteran cube. I know he got beat up on I was at the game. Uh, the Mississippi State defense. Max Johnson is one tough kid. Yes. Yeah. Because the Mississippi State defense just... Absolutely crushed him all day. Um, yeah, that offensive line is just. And I told you,
0: I'll I, I tell you when that stadium gets rocking. I, I thought they would have a hard time. I told you that last week.
1: Yeah, they're they're one dimensional. Well, I don't even know if they're that. A chain's good, but but the offensive line is so bad. Did he miss? Not going to the. All right, they're a And M, and they'll they'll th- they'll throw money around and I, whatever. All right, they they'll go and they'll do what they need to do. Was it a big width by Jimbo and the staff to not go transfer portal offensive line while we were talking about all the high school dudes that they landed? Um, maybe to
0: some degree unless they overestimated where they thought they were in the offensive line, and that could be the case as well. And the problem is, is the transfer portal as far as the caliber of player that you need um, at a place like Texas A&M to get better, one of the least represented positions in terms of numbers in the transfer portal is offensive line, right. uh, at high-level guys. I'm talking about, like, difference maker, big-time player guys. So I would also ask the question, and I'm not, no, I don't know this off the top of my head, how many, how many were actually available that would have made them absolutely better or convinced them would be better than what they currently had? And that's probably the question they were asking themselves.
1: Um, let's switch gears. Leach needed a big home win. Well, you need to win a conference game, but a big game at home. And so everybody was partying and happy and they did what they needed to do. Um, You can give me a quick takeaway from that game, but I also want to tee up the fact that they host an Arkansas team and this is a very winnable game for them. And Arkansas has just gone through two uh, very, very physical games against A&M and Bama?
0: Yeah, they really have. I mean, they're they're going through a gauntlet, right? Their schedule, and a lot of people talked about that schedule coming into the season that, you know, Arkansas is going to be a pretty good team. They're going to be improved, but that's that's murderer's row right there. And um, I'll tell you, um, I, I'm really impressed with, you, you know, you talk about the transfer portals. That's where Ole Miss has done the best job because it's not, it's, it's not just that they went to the transfer portal. They were very, very specific in what they were targeting and who they went after and why. Um, you know, Having conversations with Lane and with, with Coach Partridge on defense about the research and the homework that they did on those guys. Because remember, if you're going to do that, and guys have, let's just say, two years of eligibility or maybe three years of eligibility or maybe even one, you can't miss on those guys because you'll ruin your depth of your football team, right? Cause now you've given all those scholarships to those guys and didn't give them to a four or five year kid out of high school. So whether it's Kari Coleman, okay. We talked about Dak Evans, Michael Trigg, Jackson Dart, whatever it is. That is why Ole Miss is playing so much better right now.
1: Yeah. Um, and it is impressive. They went all in. Uh, you're right. I mean, he, They had dedicated staffers in-house, did a lot of research, did the Mm legwork to make sure. They're not going to hit on all of them, but you're right. It is a big group of them that are contributing. And and, it made a difference. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he had to to flip that roster fast for them to win as many games as they're going to win.
0: The secondary has made a big difference, and then the true freshman corner is going to be a great
1: player. Yeah. And Judkins is unreal.
0: Judkins is unreal.
1: Was he an ESPN 300?
0: No, he wasn't. He was, he was a kind of an out of nowhere guy. And, you know, we obviously missed there. But what the lane said, he reminds him of Josh Jacobs. That's,
1: that was the guy Good that he made the call. Yeah. I remember, I think he was from like Tulsa, Oklahoma and spurned the Sooners to yeah, go to was. Bama. Um, That's right. What a player. I never thought he was used as much as he should be at, at Bama. Um, all right. Arkansas at Mississippi state. Uh, what matchup are you looking for, uh, Leach's 0-2 against Pittman, Odom, and Browles? How do you see this one in Starkville this weekend?
0: I see Starkville using the home field advantage again. I really do. I think that's their, one of their greatest assets. When you can score, if they get on top of you and they're able to, to get ahead 10, 14 points, it is so difficult to climb back into that in, in that environment unless you just flat out have better players. And I don't think Arkansas does. Um I, I, I think Mississippi State's a pretty good football team, a team that not many people probably want to deal with right now. And they had their fair share, share of self-inflicted wounds if you watched the LSU game. And um, and it cost them. And then they responded. They rebounded. I just think that they're kind of peaking, and we're in week five right now, maybe kind of peaking going into this coming weekend. What, are we going into week six, I guess? Yes. I mean, that's. This is uh, a team that might be playing the best football at the right time.
1: Okay. Then um, Arkansas is one-dimensional, and their secondary is not good. This. Yeah, I know it. it...
0: What are you going to do? Are you going to play man against them? Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that.
1: Um, hey, I thought about you. I knew you were happy. They, they rushed for 144 yards.
0: I saw that. I check it every weekend. I do. I literally I check it every week. I want to say, all right, what has he done? What has he done? What did he done <laughs> with it was, was it trying to pull off
1: here? I love it. And they ripped off a, a couple of big runs and uh It makes a difference, yeah, man. Yeah, they flipped the field on a couple of runs, no yeah. question. Uh okay, let's switch gears to uh so you you like where Ole Miss and Mississippi State are trending. No point in hitting Ole Miss Vandy. They get they'll get a big win this weekend. Mm-hmm. The big win here in this state is can Mississippi State host Arkansas and beat them. And it sounds like you would you're leaning towards Mississippi State winning that game. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Let's go to another one that I think is fun and and big. Tennessee at LSU. We don't get this matchup often. Um one's four and one's four and one. Uh LSU's doing enough to survive. Give Brian Kelly credit. Tennessee thinks they are starting to arrive. It's in Baton Rouge. But it's an 11 a.m. game, Tom. So it's not like it's 7, 8 o'clock at night in Tiger Stadium. Do you like Tennessee with Henn and Hooker coming in and winning this game? Or are you going with the talent in LSU?
0: Man, I, I, I get concerned with this particular offense. As it's, it's fun as it is to watch and how fast it is and the plays they're able to make and, Henn and Hooker Hooker's playing great. But I get concerned with this offense when you play somebody that can outman you up front, disrupt you get you off schedule, get you behind the chains. Now all of a sudden the focus isn't, hey, we got to get 90 plays in the game. The focus is how are we going to convert third and eight because usually it's third and three. And I think that to me would be something that should be a bit concerning to Tennessee fans. I think Tennessee will score points. I don't know if they'll come as easy as we've seen them come before. Because I do think LSU is disrupted, and Brian Kelly has this football team heading them in the right direction.
1: Yes, he does. Very,
0: very clear. Yeah, very clear. He sent a message to that coaching staff and that team after week one. That that's not how things were going to be done here, and and they've responded. And the, the other concern I have is Tennessee still has a bad tension for giving up big plays on defense, and has not been a very good tackling football team.
1: Yikes! With LSU's athletes, good luck with that. Yeah, okay. I know. National College Football Analyst, ESPN. He joins us on the Yingling Lager guest line. Let's go to Alabama. Um, They're going to win this weekend, but we don't know how long Bryce Young's out. And they've got some tough games coming up, including at Tennessee. So, you know, give me an idea. Let's say he's out four weeks, Tom. I mean, I know Saban was talking about 48 hours, which I was like, what the world? Um, Right. Let's say he's out three or four weeks. Uh, could that could that give someone else, LSU or Ole Miss, an opportunity to at least make it interesting or no? Yeah,
0: absolutely. If if Jalen Milrow proves that he's not going to be able to make the plays in the passing game, that we've seen Bryce Young make look routine, right? We know he can run. We know he's a big – I mean, you look at him. He looks like Anthony Richardson. Um, I mean, he's a big physical – uh, got him out of trouble the other day. I thought what happened the other day was 28 nothing. then it's 28-23, and they had to make some plays. And they had to do it in the second half on the road, and they did. Between him and Jameer Gibbs, I was very impressed with how that team responded. I think Alabama learned an awful lot about some guys on their football team because of the Bryce Young injury. So I think there's some building blocks there for Bill O'Brien this week. But they're going to have to come up with maybe some different ways Of getting him moving through the air, you know, because he just hasn't played much. Not that he can't do it, but he hasn't played much. So I think that could be something that if you looked and they had to play without Bryce for a few weeks, um, can you take advantage of maybe some deficiencies in the passing game that Alabama may have, not as a result of a lack of talent, but more of a lack of experience?
1: Jalen Milrow, for our listeners, is the guy that was playing uh, once uh, Bryce Young went down, number four. Now, this guy can scoot. Um yeah. to, I mean, once he got going, I was like, what? And I know you know all about him. Um, give me uh the ESPN recruiting uh playbook on Jalen Milrow. So he reminds
0: me of a faster Jalen Hurts. He's built like him. Um he's physical like him. I think he has and, and again, I'm not comparing to Jalen Hurts, uh NFL Jalen Hurts, because I hate comparing high school players to NFL guys. But when you look at the two guys when they came out, um, a lot of similarities, in my opinion, between, between these guys. I mean, Jalen was just under 6'2". This kid's just under 6'2". This kid's almost 200 pounds. That's right around where, where um, Jalen Hurts was uh, coming out. He is a really, really, really good athlete that needs grooming in the passing game. He needs polish. He needs somebody to work with him technically, fundamentally. He'll get there. That stuff will come. But I don't – he's very – I labeled him as being a raw prospect coming out. The skill set's there, but there's a little bit of sandlot ball, you know, a little bit of street ball in his style of play because at the high school level, you just get away with doing it. Sure. And so now I think as he continues to grow, continues to mature – um, you'll see him become a little bit more polished in the passing game.
1: Okay, so is this who they wanted? Is this who, I, You keep up with it. Is this who they yeah. targeted, or did they lose out on someone? Because when you say raw and not quite polished, a lot of times Bama can go get a guy who's a little bit more polished. How did that work on, on recruiting him? I,
0: I, I, think, I think they had a pretty good feel of what was going to happen in the 2022 class. They knew Bryce Young, was going to play at least through 2022 and was, hadn't played yet in 2021, and that's the class that they recruited Jalen in, right? So I think they felt pretty good for two cycles, and then they ended up bringing in Ty Simpson in the 2022 class. So uh, they've got another guy in the 2023 class in Eli Holstein. So they, they're fine at quarterback. He's just a little – I think they I, – I, honestly, I think they saw some, some Jalen Hurts in it.
1: Okay. And they can win. He, he and Gibbs alone can do what they need. And then, you know, throw it a little bit and they'll be just fine. Right. Depending on what Bill O'Brien mm-hmm. wants to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, and again, what happened last weekend, I think if you're Alabama's coaching staff was very encouraging. Okay. There weren't glaring warts, you know, like what, what if they would have gone out in that second half, it's 28, 23, and all of a sudden Alabama can't function on offense. That would be problematic.
1: Tom Luganbill on the Out of Bounds show. Speaking of problematic, you chalk up uh, Georgia just sleepwalking through a schedule knowing that they're, they're really, really good. That, that that's, sounds like an excuse. Or, no, Bo, they've got some concerns on both sides of the ball and they need to be careful.
0: Um, I don't think they have concerns in terms of players. I think they have concerns in terms of focus and respecting the opponent because this wasn't just on the road against Missouri. They did this against Kent State as well. And that may have to do with maturity, handling success, knowing how to play to your own standard regardless of who the opponent is because they've played down to the opponent. And that's not what we've become accustomed to seeing. I think it actually, to be honest with you, the best thing that could have ever happened to Kirby, you don't play well, play well you somehow pull out a win. And now you can go back with some real teachable material. Uh, they learned a sore lesson the, the other night, and that is it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. If we're up here, make everybody else come up here with us. Mm-hmm. Don't go down to where they live.
1: Okay, do you expect them to blow out Auburn?
0: Um, I do, maybe not early, but I, I, I could see this thing getting out of hand prior to halftime.
1: I right. I got less. Auburn than,
0: can't function at quarterback.
1: No, I got less than a minute. Um, how devastating a blow was that for Venables and Oklahoma to lose like that to TCU, who they don't even recognize their fans as a program
0: it's unbelievable Um, the way they lost how badly they played uh, their inability to tackle their inability to execute and I think the thing that stood out to me most um, they don't have Clemson's players and Brent Venables knows it
1: yeah you're not buying Michigan are
0: you? Uh, I think they're pretty good I actually do I think they're pretty good
1: okay All right. where are you this week?
0: Miami and North Carolina and South Florida (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right Tom Luganville on the Yingling Lager guest line thanks Luke see you bud
0: all right man see you
1: National College Football Analyst with ESPN stopped by um, big stories Jimbo Fisher turning towards hot water Bryce Young's health and with Bryce Young's health can someone take advantage of that in the SEC West and who would that be and is. Georgia as good and dominant as we thought they were uh, going into Labor Day weekend. Hour number three coming up. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.